the dude was sitting there writing a song with me and he saw a bird on a window. It gave us the line we were stuck on and Trisha Yearwood cuts it. It ends up being in like four different movies over the last 20 years. Hey, Songtown, I'm Clay Mills. I'm here with my co-host, Marty Dotson. Woohoo! <laughs> Marty, I'm going to surprise you with another topic. Bring it on. Marty Dotson, where is the most unusual place you've ever found a song title? Hmm. This reminds me of the, the, the old um, Honeymooners TV show, the, new, the newlywed show. And they're wow. like, where's the most unusual place you've ever made love? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, so we won't go an into answer. that answer. <laughs> no, I have an answer to the first question. Um, so one time I was at church, and, and I'll specify at first, this was not a good song idea, but it was a song idea. <laughs> okay. I was at, at church, and I was supposed to lead the prayer, the closing prayer. Yeah. So I'm walking up the aisle at church, and someone hands me a note. And I think it's going to say, you know, pray for my grandmother. She's in the hospital or something like that. You know, so I get up to the podium. I open this note and said, what do you think about this song idea? And it had a song idea. Written on it. <laughs> that's not what I meant, Marty. I meant <laughs> well, where, the most where have you gotten a, I, the most unusual place that or most unlikely place that you've gotten an idea maybe that went on to to get recorded or whatever. Like, do you have any story of, like I've talked to Tia Sillers and she has this story of how when she wrote, I hope you dance, she was talking to her mom and her mom was like, you know, her husband had left her or something. And her mom was like, well, I wish he would just die. I wish like, and Tia was, and you know, she was like, no mom, no mom. And she goes and she takes a walk by the ocean and it just came to her. I hope you still feel small when you stand by, you know, beside the ocean. And these words, they were wonderful words. They weren't the, um, you know, the angry words. And she mm -hmm. found peace. And, and, and so I just, you know, she has this story about how that song came to her. I was just yeah. wondering, you know, anywhere other than the church where you might have gotten <laughs> No church ideas. Um, well, there, there was one, um, so I had a guy when I was was starting out writing who um, he was a publisher and I really wanted to work with his company, thought I would be a great fit. And he said, yeah, bring me a CD. And so I brought him a CD and a month went by. I didn't hear from him. So I called him. He was like, oh, yeah, it's right here on my desk. I'll get to it. I've just got a big pile to get through. And a couple more months go by and I call him. He's like, oh, yeah, it's right here on my desk. And after six months, I'm like, okay, the guy doesn't want to work with me, you know? And, and I had recently had an experience where I, I went in to play for a publisher and the publishers, he said, before I could sit on his couch, he goes, wait, stop. And I'm like, okay, is there something on the couch, you know? And, and he says, um, I've got a bunch of hit writers that sit on that couch. And if you can't beat what they play me I don't have time for it <laughs> and I'm like man I, just, I mean it just deflated me you know and I'd so I'd gone through all these experiences I had finally gotten my first publishing deal and I thought man I want to thank everybody that ever told me no you know because you know I, I finally got this thing I was after 
and all these people dissed me, didn't believe in me and that kind of stuff. And so I wrote that song and about nine years later, there was a guy that was on a, one of the TV shows, Nashville star, and he had been turned down by every record label in Nashville multiple times. And so he wins this contest and what song does he want to sing? I want to thank everyone who ever told me no. <laughs> so that's that's probably my most interesting one that actually wound up getting recorded and, and out there and that kind of stuff. It reminds me of that story that Hardy told everyone. If you don't know, Hardy's a, a well-known country songwriter, writes a lot with guys like um, Morgan Wallen, and, and he's got his own solo career as an artist now. But he literally said he was playing a songwriter's night in a club and someone came up and put a note into his tip jar. And he opened the note later that night and it said something to the effect of, you need to quit. You're not any good. And oh, wow. as awful as that was, he said he went home and he, he like, I don't know if he framed it, but he kept it. And he said he used that as motivation. And now after having hit after hit and, you know, people recognize him as a, being a great writer, um, somebody literally told him at one point in his career that he needed to give it up, that he wasn't good yeah. enough, you know. And so, first of all, I don't know why any, anyone would do that, I guess. But, you know, I'm naive. I, there's probably trolls right now <laughs> underneath us in the YouTube going, these guys <laughs> yeah. suck. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, but, yeah. You know, and I was trying to think interesting stories. I, I don't have so much like an interesting, weird story, but I just think that a lot of times what makes us, it's just real life. So my first number one song I had was Shane Miner and Sonny LaMare, a song called Beautiful Mess. Diamond Rio um, had a country hit with it. And when that song came out, my son was two years old. And he was getting ready for his day that day. He must have, I think I was, you know, going to take him to a daycare for that day because I was riding. And I put his shoes on. And he looks down and he, he goes, Dad, you put my shoes on the wrong feet. <laughs> and so I didn't think anything of it. I go to the writing session that day. We get to the second verse of the song. I don't want to have second verse-itis. So my um, co-writer spits out the opening line of the second verse. He goes, this morning put salt in my coffee. And I go, I put my shoes on the wrong feet. And it <laughs> totally fit. And it's like, so, you know, now my son feels like I owe him songwriter royalties for something he said when he was two years old. And I'm like, no, that song paid for your college. You know, <laughs> That's like, right. Shut but up. you know, we, it's, it really is that, you know, I can think of another instance where I'm playing piano, my co-writer's standing there singing next to me and we get stuck. And then he throws out this line. He goes, offers a place as warm as the sun. And I go, where did that line come from? And he goes, there's a bird on the windowsill warming himself in the sun. <laughs> and so half of, half of the, half of our job is just kind of like being in touch with where we are in the moment and being observant and just letting, letting these ideas come to us, you know, and instead of like when I first started writing, I would be 
racking my brain. Oh, I can't think of this line. I can't think of this line. And the reality of it is the dude was sitting there writing a song with me and he saw a bird on a window. It gave us the line we were stuck on and Trisha Yearwood cuts it. It ends up being in like four different movies over the last 20 years. So you just never know, man. Yeah. Well, I've got an interesting story about that. I was writing with Rebecca Lynn Howard and we had, we had been writing a lot together and the engineer at the studio that had done all of our demos one day just said, if you guys would ever be willing, I would be a dream come true to write a song with you too. And so we set up a co-write with him. Uh, he had never finished a song and done a demo or anything like that, but we, we set up a co-write we're in there. We get stuck for like 45 minutes on this one line. And he throws out this line. That's brilliant. Mm. And we said, how did you come up with that? And he kind of sheepishly pointed, there was a Walmart photo labs envelope and it had that exact line on it. He just read it. <laughs> and, and he thought, well, that rhymes. So I'll throw that out. And it was perfect. <laughs> and I'm convinced the song would not have gotten cut. It was like the setup line for our title. Yeah. And, um, we got that. But is that what, but what is that? Is that the universe telling you that you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing that day? Cause why would the perfect line that you needed for a setup, which is a pretty complicated part of a song, yeah. the setup line, it's just sitting there on a coffee table, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we, we wound up getting that song cut by a big artist. And so his only song was cut by a big artist and, his line in the song was that one line that he read off the, the photo lab thing. That, no, that's also, Marty, a great point, too, is that somebody go, okay, well, that's a cheesy line to come off of a, you know, a card on a table. And I get this a lot when people go, well, you, they tell me you can't put cliches in a song, but this song has this cliche or it's not that you can't use cliches. It's how you frame them. If a cliche is the perfect line, is the perfect setup line, like it was in your song, then you've got to use it. So it's not, if your song is line after line after line of cliches, then yeah, you know, or even one line that, and it feels like a cliche, but there's no hard and fast rules. You know, you, if you never used a familiar phrase, it would be hard to communicate to people, you know? Yeah. So it, it's more about like how, alien. yeah. So it's about how you use those cliches, you know, and that's, that's a pet peeve I have when people go, you can't use cliches in songs. And it's like, well, a cliche is just a figure of speech. If it's right, right for what you're writing, then why would you not use it? Right. You know, I think one important thing that kind of ties all the stuff we've been talking about together is as writers, I think it's super important to be an observer of life. You know, like mm -hmm. when I've, I've gotten tons of ideas being in a coffee shop and hearing overhearing conversation. Well, if I if I just go in the coffee shop and I get on my phone or or, you know, I'm not I don't have my antenna up, I'm going to miss those things. And my wife laughs at me, you know, we'll be going down the street and I'll say, did you see that guy with a ventriloquist dummy on the side <laughs> of the road? And she goes, no, you know, I wasn't paying attention to that stuff, you know? Yeah. And I, but I think as writers, it's just important 
to see the things you're passing in life and to to have your antenna up where you're going to hear things and go, oh, that's unique. You know, I love the way that's said. I've got a friend who just says things in quirky, unique ways, and he's kind of country, says these country things I've never heard of. But I get all kinds of song ideas from this guy just because he's talking in interesting, different, quirky ways, you know. So I think the more as writers we can have our antenna up and not just try to get to our destination, but to be paying attention along the way, you know, and not not just when we're on a literal trip to the store, but in life, just, you know, focusing on what's what's going by us and the stories that we might see. You know, I've written stories that I'll see someone on the side of the road and I'll imagine maybe what their story is. Or I um, used to be involved with this homeless ministry and I would they would tell me stories that would really inspire a, a song, you know, because I would stop and listen to what, you know, what their experience was. And it was very different than mine, but it enabled me to write something I couldn't write on my own. Awesome. Marty, let's thank Sweetwater, our sponsor. They're great people. They have tremendous sales department. They help me out with all this gear you see behind me. Um, I bought everything from Sweetwater for about 20 years. Love those guys. Check out the show notes below. We have books on songwriting, and we'd really love you to step into Songtown. Check out songtown.com. We help writers improve their skills, level up. We give you pro instruction in all genres. And once you have great material, we help connect you to the music industry. So check it out. And we've got a class coming up with writing for a recording artist. So if you're interested in that, click the link. Love to have you be a part of it. You get to write a course to submit to three different recording artists. And uh, if they like your your song start, uh, they can choose you to write with. So check it out. See you next time. See ya.